everybody, and welcome to the Bit Effect. Today is part two of The Darkest Dungeon. This time it's personal. <laughs> dungeon this. Darkest Dungeon 2 Electric Boogaloo. Um, <laughs> Craig, give me something here. If it was a movie. Uh, cut to the music. Dungeon this? Dungeon harder. Dungeon this is probably... This has gone long, way long. Uh, we shouldn't have done Enter this. Enter the dungeon? Yeah, we can't have Darkest Dungeon enter the dungeon. Hmm? Darkest Dungeon 2, the dungeon fights back. Return of the dungeon? Uh, I don't like Return of the dungeon. Yeah, see, anything you do with Star Wars, it's just automatically ruined. Automatically. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this bit went on way too the long. Dungeon Strikes Back. Dungeon Strikes Back. I said that. Did I get any feedback at all? No. Nope. nope. I said it first. I got stony silence. All right, that's it. This is the last episode. Craig, play the music. After this, we're done. Jin Dungeon. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell by that completely off-the-cuff and terrible, terrible joke, that's how you know it was off-the-cuff. Joining me today is Craig, because Mike is dead. To us. Just, just to clean up. Well, if everything goes as planned, both stuck. will be correct. Oh, right, okay. Right. Um, I, I sent a highwayman to his house. <laughs> uh, Alright, so in part one, we could covered 95% of the mechanics. So in this, we're going to talk about uh, the classes, the, the kind of the meta game of this, and touch on the darkest dungeon. So, Craig, first off, how did you treat your people? Uh, I started off caring. I gave them nicknames. I recolored their clothes to give them a team, like the Power Rangers or something. I don't know. Um, and I really, really cared for them. By the end. I treated them kind of like uh, cattle, batteries, <laughs> cattery, cattery, cattle, batteries, uh, like a disposable sort of. Oh, you know what? You just go and get that thing. Um, it feels odd. Like it's. It feels odd because it feels horrible, but at the same time, when you cross that threshold and you just don't care about them anymore, it unlocks. The entire game. Oh. <laughs> it's just, just... Absolutely. Sorry, I had a mouthful of tea. Absolutely. Um, I I kind of played a middle ground between them. Like uh, I named my favorite classes because I like those guys. Um, Craig the Hellion died. Oh. So uh, I can now go to a monument and say, "Here lies Craig," which is pretty cool. But um. So I did that with my favorite classes, and then everybody else I had, I renamed them like Vestal 1, Vestal Bleed, <laughs> Vestal Blight. So, you know, I knew, oh, okay, you go with this team. Because, and this is a problem on the PS4 only, the sorting, you can resort your roster, but if you accidentally click the wrong button and it resorts it by level, you're like, oh, no. Because I, the way I have it is the bottom four are my Blight team. 
the next four are my mark team. The mm -hmm. next four are my bleed team. And if that screws up, it's like, I don't know, which, which occultist are you? Are you the blight one or are you the bleed one? So, yeah, uh, everybody got fancy names like Ruins 1, Warrens 2. I, like, I, I, I took sort of a more holistic approach to the whole thing and I just, I pick and mixed. So by the end, of, I started with a bleed team because that's the default. No, the default team is like a damage team, but you, like, it's all I started team for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the bulk of it I spent with a bleed team, but by the end of it, I was picking mix, and I was just like, I'll just. This is back to that knowledge point. It's like if you know who does what and who moves where. You can start to pick and go, you'll work where will you, and you'll work where will you, and you'll work where will you. Before you know it, you're kind of just shuffling people. Okay, so you just had like a middle giant management, pool and you just like, you, you, yeah, you, yeah. and you. Oh. Yep. Um, it, it, it works. It absolutely works. As, as long as you don't, um, you know, like, spec up a bleed team to go into the... <laughs> the ruins? Yeah, yeah, like, it just... Now, I, I technically finished this game three times for the show. Um, technically, as in I got up to the darkest dungeon, like, everything... I killed all the bosses, and I, I distinctly played three different ways. Um, I did one run with... I had one group per area. So I had a ruins team, a warrens team, a cove team... And if, like, the Cove team was down, that's right. I'll just run the Ruins team for a week and get them all good to go. Then I did one, like, one of each specialty team, which uh, there are a bunch of different combinations. So if you have four people at work together, or, like, the beginning team, boom, pops up the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got, like, little fancy names that go with them. I you So I went with a Mark team, a Blight team, a Bleed team, and then... Uh, marked for Death. Marked for Death. Oh, that, that's a good team. I love the Mark <laughs> team. And I tried doing theme teams. Theme teams went okay. They they went pretty good. But the, you ran into some points where like, ah, oh, crap! I have to take the you know the bleed team into the cove. You know, it, you got stuck sometimes because I would only recruit enough to fill. So in that one, I only had sixteen people, and that was it. Uh, and then I did one that was focused on uh, stress postponing and mitigation. Which, you know, like almost every team had a jester. And once you're down to one person, you just keep slamming out that uh, remove stress move. So you can manage your stress. So you can send the same party into like four different dungeons right in a row. Because you're managing your stress in the dungeon. Um, the thing I had the most luck with was the one team per area. And so the whole game for you was just kind of catch as catch can. It was like, ah, I want a crusader and a hellion. <sighs> Okay, so it's a bit of pick and mix, but in a really or, or overly organized way, it was based on levels. If I had leveled so many people up to level four, I would make the best of a team of threes and twos to mm. try and just bring people up. Um, but it, it it still worked. It worked. It, it was probably not as efficient. But no, uh, oh, that is something we didn't talk about last week. There is a mechanic in here to where uh, you have level ones, level threes, and level fives and sixes are the different dungeon levels. Um, now, it doesn't mean once you pass to level three dungeon, you'll only see level threes. You'll always have a level one, a level three, and a, I think a level five. Yeah. Um, 
but if a hero passes that breakpoint, so let's say you have uh, an occultist and they're at level four, they will not go back into a level one dungeon. They'll be like, no, no, they're like, no, this is below me. Yeah, how do you expect me to improve? It's like, look, I just don't want oh. you to die, Sam. I just don't want you to die. Oh. Uh, so it, it does. I I wasn't like I don't want you to die. I was like I want I want to grind the shit out of <laughs> or this. I want that trinket. <laughs> yes. uh, so so it does. The way you level your teams does kind of matter because if you have a team that you've been running of just four, and suddenly one has to spend a week in the abbey. If you go in and run those three guys with a fourth stand-in, now they all can't go in the same dungeon. So you do have to pay attention to how you level your stuff. This I bucked up against more than I appreciated it because there's not really that much of a difference between level threes and level fives. Like level ones for sure. I think there's probably a bigger difference behind the scenes. There might the, be in, in the, the numbers. general percentages, RNG, damage, numbers. I think if you ran a level three party through a level five dungeon, you'll you'll take a hit. Oh, I did. <laughs> they, they got beat up <laughs> bad. Uh, I'm, the only thing um, that I, I can see that it changes is what enemies appear. Like if you're in a level one ruins, the gargoyles won't show up. Or the big fat armored skeletons won't show up. So it plays a little bit of a role in what monsters show up. Like uh, on your first one. Could you imagine if you're going through the, the wield on your first run and you're running into one of those tree guys? Jeez, you'd never go back in there. Oh, God. But I meant like like in terms of mechanic, I, I, I can't say I really liked this mechanic, but it, it didn't stop me from doing much. I was going to say something that I'm completely not like. I was going to say, that's a, there's a very uh, lengthy silence there, buddy. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. The, the, like, what I was literally going to say was, it. this is one of the, f- not the first, but it's one of the biggest games that I felt like when you, it's the most gradual increase in difficulty and leveling. There's no massive wall, really. There's no, it's a gentle curve from when you start to when you finish it, so that when you go back to the start, you all of a sudden realise, oh my god, I understand this. I can oh totally yeah, do you can so much wreck better. shop on your first yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really quite, it's it's quite bad, but no, it's not bad, it's good. It, it comes back to that whole modding thing. It's like, you wouldn't want it to change. You don't want to change it. I think it's pretty perfect. I, I absolutely agree with you. So, one of the things I noticed, because this time I'm trying to look at it with a little bit of a critical eye of like, okay, because we've we got to talk about it for like three hours, so you can't just sit here and go, yeah, that's good. I really like it. Yeah, I know. That, I know. Um, the, the decision to not have any experience points is really smart, because I was thinking, if this was a regular RPG, or even a regular roguelike, you're going to level up by killing enemies. And in this, killing enemies literally gets you nothing but some treasure. And so you don't have the usual RPG impetus of, oh, I'm going to farm. And I kind of really like that decision because my, I can't help it. My gut instinct is, oh, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to farm the ruins until I get everybody <laughs> up the level. It's just, it's just the way I go. 
them forcing you to constantly be changing and to vary your strategies based on the areas, I think a lot of that would be broken if there were, oh, kill five things, you get, you know, a level up kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I didn't know if that hit you at all of like, oh, hey, there's no XP in this, like, for killing stuff. It's just if you do a small dungeon, you get four resolve points. If you do a medium, yeah. I think it's like six, and then large is, I don't know, ten maybe? I think that's it. I, I never ever, I never kind of put two and two together in terms of XP. It always just felt like it's not XP because XP is just another number. It's just another thing that you level up and you add more and, you know, like you're playing Final Fantasy and you're leveling up and you get XP. This isn't it. This, it feels like you're building up your characters with more than just a number. You're building them up with quirks and abilities and everything else. It just, it, it just, it feels like a more robust way to do it. I absolutely agree. Uh, speaking of, of quirk, building up quirks and stuff, did you... Uh, normally, if I'm playing this, for, like the first time I was playing it for fun, I tried to manage the uh, negative quirks and lock in positive quirks. Uh, Did you try to do that this run? I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't lock in positives. I, I, what I did was I ignored the positives, but I, I actively got rid of the negatives because some of them are some of them are devastating. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So I I went with managing the negative stuff and ignoring the positive stuff. If uh, if someone performs well against Eldritch, fine. I I don't need to lock that in. I'll just I'll roll with whatever. But if someone is taking like twenty five damage, twenty five percent plus damage against a particular enemy, I'm like no, let's get rid of that right now. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I'm. I'm Again, I'm not saying the way you played was wrong. I'm not saying the way I played was right. But that was nice about having one team per area was, oh, you have, you know, 25% damage from an Eldritch creature. Well, you're never going to run into one. So I don't have to worry about that. I never had that because I was constantly picking and choosing who was going where. And it was just based on who was available and what level they were at. But there was... There's always synergy to be found. It's the thing I found is, is like you get your bleed, your traditional bleed team are marked for death, where you've got your houndmaster and your occultist, and you're constantly like marking, attacking, marking, attacking. But there, there's synergy to be found in classes that you would never ever feel like they should work together. There's there's always something you can pull out of it. Yeah, I, I, surprisingly, the jester and the highwayman worked really well. For me, like, like, and I don't think there's any like natural symmetry there, like you said, with the the named groups. But you, you'd have mm-hmm. your your jester do that lunge forward, which buffs the damage of finale by thirty three percent. And mm-hmm. so you have your, your highway in the second slot, and you move your jester up, and then he's built up a really big plus hundred. 20% finale damage, you do finale, then the highwayman is in the first slot, then he does point blank yeah. shot, pushes him back. It's like, this is amazing. Yeah. Some some of the boss fights as well, they come down to that. I, I spoke to you before, but the one of the, the 8, 10, 12 brigand pounder. Oh yeah, the 12 pound um, brigand cannon. Yeah, yeah, with the boss fight. I got, I got to a point where the first two of the two levels of those, I had one party, and they 
it felt, well, they probably did, but it felt like they never even got to move, they never got to attack, because it was like, boom, 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 okay, that's one round over, boom, 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 another round over, and then before you know it, the boss fight is over, and it it just feels like that that kind of like uh, workflow is there. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if, even if, like we said, it's not named, you can get some really mm-hmm. nice synergies. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Um, for the Swine King, uh, well, and we'll, we'll describe these bosses later. Um, I found out that if I go in with double, uh, double occultist in the back two rows, and then uh, man at arms up front that can just do the, you know, mark himself and then guard. Mm hmm. You can debuff the Swine King so much he starts doing zero damage with the two occultists. And it takes like three turns. But uh-huh. at that point, you're like, oh, I can finish this at my leisure. The dude's doing zero damage. This is amazing. So, all right, let's, let's, we, we've talked about teams. We've been throwing names around like Arbalist and Lapper. Let's actually talk about the classes. And these are all in alphabetical order because there is no other order. Uh, Ever. Sorry, I feel very strongly about alphabetizing things (laughs) that aren't my game collection. So, first we start with the Abomination. And I know we're split like 50-50 on the Abomination because I love the Abomination so much. I am not a fan. If you have two Abominations in the, the two middle rows... They both blight both middle rows of the enemy. And you can just start stacking that. You put that with a Plague Doctor, you can just start blighting down things like crazy. Um, the I guess we should explain it. So the Abomination at first is this kind of scrawny guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of just holding this big chain and a padlock on his chest. And he has um, he's a really good stun guy. The, the chains mm-hmm. works really well. But then you, he has no moves that you can uh, alter. So you can't buy extra moves. You can't switch things out. He's locked. You, his first move is always transform. Now, when you transform, blah, he hulks out, turns into this big monster that spits acid, and he's wonderful. Uh, the problem with the Abomination is, Craig, what is your take on using the Abomination transformed? So- the abomination, you transform, and before you know it, everyone else in your party is stressed out. It's like, can you imagine? Oh, we're just chilling, we're just kind of walking through this place, and before you know it, someone you're walking with turns into a huge beast. Like, <laughs> oh, God. The, because stress is such a huge thing, the abomination to me always felt like it's more worry than it's worth, it's more risk than it's worth. I don't want to have my abomination transform to stress out the Vestal because Vestals are stress sensitive. They um, are, yeah. Because before you know it, you've got no healing and all you've got is a big monster slapping things. <laughs> it, the vest, the 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 abomination does have. There's one rare trinket or super rare trinket that's reduced stress by fifty percent when transforming or whatever. That's like a game changer. Because then you can start to use it effectively. But before then, I was just like, nope, not touching you. Uh, that plus, uh, you know, all those trinkets, like almost every hero has a minus 20% stress trinket. 
Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, if you have those plus his special trinket, yeah, it's it, you're getting like two stress every time you transform. And he does packs damage out the wazoo. Oh, really? A lot, yeah. Really like the abomination. Um, all right, Craig, you want to do the either most, probably the only useless class in terms of combat? Like everybody has a niche, but this one is well, very I much. Don't... Oh, God. Is it the Antiquarian? Because I don't yes. have the list. Oh, because yeah, I can't yeah. find it, it on my phone for some reason. Google Drive uh, yeah, the notes. I, I can't get into it. I, I just can't get into it. I don't know why. So the Antiquarian uh, is your next class. They have certain offensive capabilities. Like you can try and stun people. But for the most part, you're, you want an Antiquarian in your team if you're going grinding for gold and uh, other loot because they will severely increase what you get off enemy encounters, what you take out of chests, what what you get out of random curios. The Antiquarian is there to speed things up. That's they they also raise the stack limit. It goes from like 1,700 yeah. to 3,000, I yeah. think. 2,500. Oh my gosh, Mr. Numbers over here. I know, I know. I think it's 2,500. So you can collect more gold with an antiquarian as well. It's And the antiquarian um, has that unique ability to speed up the party. So if you're not collecting gold, the only other thing you're doing is add two to speed. Add two to speed for the whole party. So you, eventually your party just take over and beast everything. They, 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 I mean, because that was one of the things I tried. Like, before, you always made an antiquarian run. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is the run where I take the antiquarian and we can make a bunch of money. I tried using her in actual parties this time. And the, the one move... Uh, hold on. Crap. Give me a second. Oh, uh, it's called Invigorating Vapors. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's the... Speed? Oh, is it speed? No, no it's it dodge. dodge. Yeah, it's dodge. Plus three sorry, dodge. I'm so sorry. So it's dodge. So if you can last like the first couple of turns against a boss, I had dodges that were insane, like you know, sixty-five dodge, mm-hmm. because you just keep stacking this. I mean, your party will always be weaker with an antiquarian, but there are some times where her skills are useful for other than money. I just don't run into them very often, and I don't know what the meta is, so I don't know if, oh, hey, turns out if you bring four antiquarians, you win the game. I don't know. But, yeah, she's she's the only one where I will only recruit one. Because, yeah, eh. one, one antiquarian only for collecting stuff. There's no point otherwise. Yeah, no, not really. You're never going to take her into a boss fight unless you're feeling a little cheeky. Up next, we have the Arbalist slash Musketeer. Uh... There, it's basically two different skins. I prefer the musketeer. I uh, had the arbalist for the <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> uh, I, I like I like the musketeer, but uh, so the mm. arbalist's whole thing is staying in that fourth slot. So mm. and just pounding out range damage, generally on marked targets. Yeah, uh, he doesn't really have that much use. Does have one other really good use, which oh, is no, he does have. Oh, sorry. Oh, God. Do you, no, I was just saying, it does have a good use because in one of the bosses, you can clear marks 
with the Argos. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Is that exactly what you're gonna say? You, you can clear <laughs> Sorry. Marks with them. Yeah. So if if you're running a team and um, you know the boss, um, what what boss? And I know the drowned crew marks. Um, Swine King marks most bosses mark. Now that I think about it, I think it's the it's the Swine King in particular, because if the, the Swine, Swine King? King mark the Swine King, if the other thing marks Wilbur, it, if you don't clear it, if Wilbur marks, <laughs> if you don't clear it instantly, you're like it's party wipe time. So you you need your arbalist there just to clear it. Yeah, he uh, once you're marked, the, the Swine King comes down pretty good on you. Mm-hmm. Um. So he was generally only he or she because there's I think there's both uh, only used for my marking parties. I never really brought the the battlefield bandage bandage Whew. bandage uh, works pretty good as a oh crap I need to emergency heal does work really well with the occultist because when you battlefield bandage somebody they get plus thirty three percent healing to them so you know that occultist may pop out a five. And it's like, well, okay, at least now it's, you know, like an eight. So he does work well in concert with the occultist. Yeah, I I honestly never, ever, ever used that. The same with the Crusader. I would never use them for healing, apart from in one scenario, which I might tell you about one day, maybe not in this episode, I can't remember. But um, I never used the Arbalist healing. I was just like Vestal as the healer. Vestal, Vestal, Vestal. Even the occultist, it was an emergency thing because do you know how many times you try to use an occultist to heal and you get zero plus bleed? And you're like, no. That is, that is true. I mean, yeah, again, there's trinkets to, to mitigate it, but bringing somebody like the arbalist or the plague doctor that can immediately cure that bleed is very useful. Or a it's flagellant. Still a ton. It's a ton. <laughs> it's true. It, it it's is. A ton. Um,. So the Arbalist doesn't really rank too high up for me. He's very useful on a mark party. He can pump out damage like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, if you get if you get like a Houndmaster or something to mark up front or do some bleeding then mark, the Arbalist's um, shot, which from the fourth position you can hit anyone else apart from the, the first position yeah. one. Yeah, it, it is so much damage that it just it wrecks them. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if you have a, it's very much a one-two combo of this person marks, arbalist mm-hmm. kills. This person marks, arbalist kills. Yeah. Until you start getting into those really high protection enemies, but yeah, mm-hmm. he can wreck wreck a boss pretty good. Uh the next one is uh, one of my favorites. I find him one of the most useful. Uh, that is the bounty hunter. So one of the bounty hunter's biggest tricks is he's very good at shuffling around the party. Not your party, uh, the enemy party. Uh, he has a hook that can take somebody, drag them forward, and also mark them. So if he's in the fourth slot, drags them forward to the second slot, Arbalist can pop him. Um, he's he has a stun that also shuffles. He's got just a shuffle. He's got a bleed. And then he gets a bonus of 33% damage to marked. So if you're running a marked team, the bounty hunter is almost a must-have only downside is really 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 squishy he's squishy and i always found his accuracy to be less than less than great if you do decide to go on the offensive just messes everything that well see uh i mean that might be a difference between me and you uh everybody always had an accuracy trinket on him like everybody because the worst thing in the world is i need this to hit ah it didn't hit oh goody 
Oh, uh, something I should have... Nah. I almost said message too earlier. Oh my gosh. Some of the things I, I mentioned earlier was the Arbalist was the first one to be sacrificed to the end boss. Oh. So he does win that award. Uh, yeah, Bounty Hunter was was a must-have for my Mark party. I, I got really good. And then you add, he gets 33% to Marked. Then he also gets a bonus versus humans. Mm-hmm. So if you send him to the Wield, he is really good. Next, we have Reynold, the Crusader. Oh, Reynold. Reynold, you're just my buddy, aren't you? Uh, maybe? Controversially, I only think these are good in one specific party setup. Otherwise, I don't like Crusaders. Hi, this is Dave. I'm just going to pop in to let you know that we did have some technical trouble, like at this point in the podcast. Uh, Craig's house exploded, so we had to re-record this at a later date. Luckily we managed to sieve out all the bad jokes, so hopefully there will not be any more for the rest of the episode. Anyway, um, Ruin has come to this family, blah, 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 blah. Craig, Crusaders. Oh, yeah, Crusaders. We were talking Crusaders. So you were at some point where you were saying, there is only one use for Crusaders. And I was thinking, you know, I think there's more than one use for Crusaders. At some point, I was accidentally using one as a healer. Um, But I think naturally during the game... We both arrived at the same conclusion that healers are best in the third and fourth rank, just basically doing holy lance, which is a very far-reaching, very powerful move that shifts it forward. It shifts your fourth member forward one place, and you just rotate them. Is that where you were going with this? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely with you on Crusaders. Like they used to be like my frontline guys, uh-huh. like always Crusaders. And as you start tinkering with other classes, they really fall behind. They're not useless. It's just their best spot is in that third and fourth slot doing Holy Lance. I think it's... So, yeah. I think it's it's part of that. Um, your initial party is the, the best all-round party to get you through the first bit. But when you start to specialize, do you really want the jack-of-all-trades? No, you kind of want your specialists everywhere. And, 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 and yeah, like um, there is a class tailored for that front position. You want your leper there hacking people, or you want your bounty hunter there marking people, or you, you know, there's always someone you want there. Do you want the crusader there just to be there? No. Um. Now, uh, yeah, like my crusaders, I only had one, two uh, for the third and fourth slot, but they were only used in the ruins. Did you end up using any of this run? No. I didn't at all. Re- wow, um, not at all. Reynold uh, died a pitiful death. Pitiful, pitiful death, I think. As I, he I, deserves. I said in the last episode. And yeah, I just, I didn't bother. I got one up to level six, just because. Trophy. Yeah. And that was it. Never never used him at all. I think there's something there's something about the, the final darkest dungeon where your original party actually works really well. But I had swapped the Crusader out for, can't remember now, maybe a Grave Robber or something like that. It was some, I had used someone else in place of that, um, and it still worked a treat. So next on the list, we have the Grave Robber. This is a class that I found absolutely zero use for really? in this run. Yeah, yeah, just nothing. I like the Blight. I really like the Blight. Mm-hmm. I like her moveset, especially, what is it, uh, Pick to the Face has armor piercing, yep. so it's really nice. But there was just none of my teams she could slot into. I found the great the grave robber was great because 
she was flexible enough that she could help in multiple situations. So I, I used the the three darts, the blight dart thing, and then you would fade to dark. Pincushion. Or fade to black or fade back, whatever. You would drop back to the third slot, which would make your pick to the face extra strong. And that would be her wee loop while everything else was going on. And I really... Like, I never used her. I never used the Arbalist before very much as well. And it just... Some of these characters, the deeper I got into it... Like, this is by far the easiest run I've had through the game. And it's due to understanding the classes a bit more. This is also the first run, I think, for me, where I wasn't playing casually. I was, all right, I'm going to sit down... I'm going to complete this. I want to try to experience almost everything in mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. Yeah, like this was my easiest run through yeah. as well. It wasn't just, oh, I like you. You look cool. Come on, let's go. Kind of thing. Uh, I, I actually don't have much else to say about the Grave Robber. I think it, she works great if she, you can find a slot for her. But most of mine were pretty well tuned. So I just yeah. didn't have anything for her. I think, that's, I, think um, I said before, like... I had my, my parties, that my, my mark party and my bleed party. The Grave Robber was the not a jack-of-all-trades, but the Grave Robber was there to pick up any missing slot. So if I was trying to level up two other characters, I would dump the Grave Robber in as well. And see, I, I did use her on the Blight party, because she does have a pretty good Blight, but then the Abomination overtook her in terms of, oh, you're just more useful. So, yeah. Uh, however, the person who is way more useful... Is the Hellion. My baby. Love the Hellion. Uh, she was in the darkest dungeon party for me. And if you have her set up just right, her being able to smack the ever-loving hell out of that fourth rank. And then you do breakthrough. And then you do the move that makes her fall back. I mean, she's a great first rank. The only problem is she's really squishy. So you do have to protect her. But she can really outload damage pretty good. Uh, this is one where I barely used the Hellion. I found her too squishy. Really? Yeah. I liked her thrusting forward type. Yeah, breakthrough? Yeah, yeah, breakthrough. But I just found that, well, wh- whatever my Hellion was, she just kept on dying and she was appropriate leveled and kitted out and armoured. But just too squishy for me, for my playstyle, I, th- I think, is what it probably... Like, I never built her into that process of do this, then this, then this. Whereas I did that with a lot of the other characters, uh, classes. Well, yeah, plus, I mean, she lends herself way more to a kill-it-before-it-can-attack mm-hmm. party rather than a withstand yeah. party. So, yeah, I can understand She's that. very good. And um, is it the second the second darkest dungeon where that thing pops up and it teleports you and she can reach it no matter what? She's good in that situation. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, she is good she in that. She can just batter that. You want to kill that before you get teleported because that's basically like starting again. Yeah, that, that second darkest dungeon. Oh, boy, I'm sure we talked about it last episode. Uh, behind the curtain a little bit, it's been a week and a half mm-hmm. just because we couldn't get our schedules together. So I'm sorry if we repeat something we said on the first one. Uh, we both listened to it, but we both shut it off within five minutes because we can't stand listening it's to each horrible. other. Like, so We've got a shit yeah, podcast. It's, it's just, I don't know why anyone oh, else listens. It's taking a vegetable grater to your ears. It's awful. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I will, I'll ask this question at the end, but uh, Hellion is also one of my favorite character designs. I love the look of the mm. Hellion. Uh, all right. Next, we have the man, the myth, the legend, the Dismas. Ah, oh, t- Good old, old highwayman. 
this was the run through where the high women really shone for me because it was like, oh, wow, you're amazing. And like I said, I, I goofed around with that repost party mm-hmm. and I was killing things left on Dismas was like MVP yeah. this run. He was really good. I I didn't have as much. It, I, I, this is back, again, back to that same thing. He was really strong at the start and really strong at the end, but did very little in the middle for me. We'll go with that. So, okay. I got him through the first bit. I got him up to level like level four or something, and then at some point I realised, shit, I've got like eight of my guys up at level six, and Dismas is still sitting at level four. I'd forgotten about him at some point in the game. Ah, so poor pulled him guy. back in. I found him handiest for bleed because like I, I like bleed and I like the the kind of range he's got, but. Again, if you start going for a specific mark, part like Mark, I for me was very much where a lot of the game was, and he just he wasn't there for that. Yeah, yeah, Mark, Mark makes things difficult. If, you know, sometimes he comes over, he crashes on your couch, <laughs> and then he just eats your food. Uh, no, like like uh, this time with Dismas, uh, I ended up mostly using him in a mark party until I found a nice uh, point blank shot okay, party yeah. that worked and that thing that thing hits like a truck i melted some bosses with that thing so yeah high women is always top tier mm. for me i mean is that is um, the point blank one you drop back a slot don't you yeah yeah it, it's the massive damage uh-huh. and then you drop back a slot and if you do that plus what is it duelist advance mm-hmm. i think it's called and you just cycle through that and he he starts hitting really hard i, I also had him carry his own head Oh yeah, that which was a lot of fun too. Some of the trinkets. Oh, yeah. that's it. That's it. That just reminded me. So all of the heads, the four heads you can mm-hmm. get, that's the names of the default characters. Oh. The because it's Reynald, Dismas, Junia, and I can't remember the last one, but that's the four canonical characters. Right. Hmm. Did not know that. Okay. So uh, next is the one that I I always use. The Houndmaster, mm-hmm. and I'm always on that precipice of, well, should I pop him out? No. Should I not? You never should. Because I like the Jester stress healing more. Other people are better at marking and bleeding, uh-huh. but he's really got that jack-of-all-trades thing going. I I love the Houndmaster. I think the Houndmaster is, in general RPG terms, is OP and still is, despite all the balancing. I For me... Because on the mark party, I used him my bounty hunter, and my bounty hunter was marking, and the Houndmaster was always using that one attack that was, you know, like, plus 50% damage for mark. If he's not doing that, he's got that um, full hit four for bleed thing going on, and just mashing that through is, is fantastic. Like, he's an ace guy. Uh, yeah, and he has a dog. He does have, he a, does dog. have a dog. I do. All I right, now. Like, I've been. Th- hold on. <laughs> Trivia question time. Mm-hmm. Craig. What breed of dog does the Houndmaster have? I'm not very good with dogs. Oh, jeez. Dogs hate you too? Um. So, it's not a Dalmatian. No, they have. They're very clearly they have spots. Yep. It's not a Bichon Freeze. Don't you Google. I'm not Googling. No. Do you think okay, I'm Googling right, to I'm go good. and find, like, oh, it's a wolfhound, and then, like... <laughs> uh, what kind of wolfhound, sir? 
that would you not be Googling? Like, I mean, you're saying I'm Googling, and you think I'm Googling, <laughs> but I'm not. It's clearly an Irish wolfhound, because you can tell by its accent. Oh my gosh, you're a dog whisperer, Craig. I knew it all along. Uh, yeah, have you ever seen one of those things in real life? No, no. Uh, do Google one really quick okay. to see a picture. Those things are massive. Hang on, it'll take me ages to Google because I'm terrible at Googling things, Dave. Yeah, clearly <laughs> you've never Googled before. <laughs> like, I would be terrified if one of those things started running after Holy me. Mackerel. Yeah, they're, they're little miniature hairy horses. I want one of those. I see, I'm more of a, like a Great Dane or a Mastiff kind of guy. But yeah, that, that's too much hair. I don't like shaggy dogs. That guy, that's... I'm down for that. I know. Why have a kid? You could just have an Irish wolfhound. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, the this guy stayed very firmly in my Mark party just because of the fact that he can Mark. Mm-hmm. He takes advantage of Marks. And then you put him in the uh, warrants and he just rips the little piggies yeah. apart. I and So yeah. I, what I was going to say is I did, I've been thinking more and more about what you said last episode, which was, you know... What if his dog took up a th- a second slot, and I, I just find yeah. it really interesting. Like I think that's a proper. It's probably one of the best ideas you've ever had. Oh, thank you. It's, it's really, really uh, interesting and intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I would love to see you and the enemy have the exact same dichotomy. Yeah. Like, what what made me think of it, right? And this is a bit of a tangent, but... Uh, and I know you're big into fighting games, so mm, you're going to be very mm. interested in this. Uh, there was a game that came out, and I don't even need to name it, but uh, you pick three characters, and you could have... You had a cap limit of, I think, five. But you could choose to have one level three character and two level ones, one level two or two level twos. You could just distribute how strong you wanted each character within that cap limit. And I think if you were just given four slots and then you had certain classes, you could run with a party of two maybe instead or, you know, have your normal. Th- yeah, I think that would be really cool an idea. Uh, Darkest Dungeon 2 isn't out yet. So if they're listening, <laughs> which we know they are, <laughs> you guys should get on it. Uh, the next is probably the last class that I ever, that I fully grasped just in terms of, okay, not like what he does, but how useful he can be, and that's the Jester. Because mm-hmm. uh, the last thing I ever really you know, got my brain around was stance dancing, and he's very much a part of a dancing party. Yeah, I, I never had a dancing party. Like, I get the whole movement thing, but the Jester, for me, was just there. I, in fact, I didn't even use him for stress healing all in camping. All I did was oh really yeah all I did was um would you call it solo and then final oh a finale finale solo and finale solo finale and then another solo I think you only get one finale or you get one solo whatever way it was um in bosses just to just give a good big punch. oh yeah he gets the last shot yeah, a lot of times because exactly. you can really build that up. Um, his um his buffing is actually pretty strong too. Is I think it's battle ballad, where it's like up three mm-hmm. speed dodge and yeah, like it's he is pretty handy in terms of being able to do a bunch of different stuff that nobody else really does. Like I mean, the antiquarian has the dodge buff, but that's it. His is very uh, specialized. 
the yeah, the, I want to. I forget what boss it was, but I wanted to see if I could kill him in one shot. Uh, the Necromancer's Apprentice. Okay. And uh, so I was like, okay, I just went through like four rounds of just having him hit the pews and everybody else hitting the pews to try to get it, and I I got probably I think it was like five HP off of one shotting. I'm like, oh man. But yeah, um, if you can hold out long enough, he will become a boss shot killer mm-hmm. just very easily. Um, I didn't really find any, and we haven't talked about this a whole lot, but like he was somebody I had trouble finding good trinkets for. Yeah, like the the trinkets, the I think they look like tambourines or something like that. Yeah. Um, did none of them ever felt like it played into how I was using them, and then I was starting to doubt. I was like, "Am I using the jester wrong? Probably, but I'm getting through this anyway." So, yeah, yeah. Like I ended up just using a lot of generic uh, damage mm-hmm. and stress down trinkets on him. Never really. He doesn't really have a trinket that changes the ex- the way he plays. Uh, and then we have the wall, the leper. I love this guy. If I had four lepers, I would have four groups with a leper in front. You give this guy an accuracy token, token, trinket. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Uh this guy can just start chopping things down like oh. cordwood. He is amazing. Absolutely like tough, hard-hitting, and obviously because of the leprosy, he can't really hit straight. So as soon as you bump the accuracy up, he's unstoppable. Like the leper saw me through so many battles, so, so many battles, just like with hack, 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 hack. Right, job done. And then, you know, he's got the self-heal, so mm-hmm. he can maintain himself. He's really good. Uh, leprosy has been known to always affect the eyeballs first, mm-hmm. so that is why the accuracy is down. I mean, until you get an accuracy trinket, he is a real liability sometimes. I have had people die because, ah, the leper missed again. Yeah. But as soon as you get a good trinket, you know, he's pretty ace. Uh, then we have the guy who doesn't ever have a permanent spot in any of my parties, and that's Man-at-Arms. Yeah. He's useful, he's great in a repost party, and he's an okay four-slot back buffer. But what he does, I don't think he does better than anybody else. Like, if I had to pick one of the weakest classes that wasn't Antiquarian, he would be uh, very high up on that list. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm the same Again, got up to level six, ditched. I just don't. It it just doesn't. Yeah, poor man at arms. He's a big beefy boy who's useless. Um, he is a big, big, big beefy boy. He shouts, uh, and this he is not. Loud. To, he does shout loud. Um, I, this is not to say that he's not useful by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I. And, you know, I'm sure Craig, too, just couldn't find it. Mm. So don't take this as, this class is useless, don't ever use it. Because if playing this game for, like, 70 to 100 hours has taught me anything, it's everybody's useful. It's just, does it work for you? Um, The next we have my main healer in almost every time I play the game, and that's the Occultist. (laughs) I think we see differently on the Occultist. Oh, dear God, do we? Well, I thought you don't like using him as a healer. Oh, I got over that. I got over that. Did you find out the trick to using him as a healer? Oh, what? No, I just, I um, just like leveled him up and started healing him. That's the trick. <laughs> now, uh, the trick is, uh, if you sacrifice one of your trinket slots, you put in a trinket 
that lowers your bleed chance. Oh. And then that bleed almost never hits. I mean, you'll still roll zeros every once in a mm -hmm. while. But if you have him teamed up with, like, uh, the Plague Doctor, if you don't want to lose the trinket slot, then you can easily take care of the bleed. If you, um, if you give him a healing item... Uh, it, it seems like I had more of a chance of getting yeah. a good heal out of him with the, you know, like plus 33% healing. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I, I get that and I, I, get, I, I, I did use him for healing and sometimes, oh my God, it's bliss. You get like 16 heal and you're like, oh my God, this is just amazing. But I found him most effective in the Mark party side of things and generally just debuffing the enemy. Oh yeah, like, that um, what is it? Uh, forget which curse it is, but it lowers their uh, defense. Yeah, yeah, like just throw that at someone, and before you know it, you're mauling people. So the mark party was bounty hunter marks, the occultist debuffs, the houndmaster absolutely utterly mauls someone, and then the arbalist at the back finishes them off, and that was it. It was like that was my cycle. And I mean, he also has that uh, the, the grasping tentacle oh. that can move fourth mm -hmm. and third slot guys, which works really yeah. well. Um, yeah, he's he's kind of he's kind of better than the Vestal for me in almost every regard, except for the uh, reliable healing angle. Yeah, like even at top level, like you get a twenty five heal out of this guy, it is just major day. You're like, this mm -hmm. is great. Uh, but I've I've also been shafted with some zero and a bleed. Yeah, it, it, it's tricky. So eighty percent of the way through, Vestal was the better healer for me. Um, Three percent of the way through, the Crusader was the better healer, and then the seventeen percent was the Occultist. <laughs> um, I I was I, one of the things that I thought this run because I was full of ideas. Craig mm -hmm. was. So due to him being the occultist, and I'm sure he's seen some shit, because, you know, skull and candle, and he's sacrificial dagger and all that. Um, it would be cool if he was one the only character that didn't refuse to go back into the Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, he's seen some shit. He's good with this. Uh, that would have been a nice hook for the occultist. Uh, I didn't really ever use him as a bleed guy. No? Did you? No, no. Um... Didn't use him too much for bleed at all, actually. In fact, actually didn't use him too much for any kind of damage. It was more debuffing, healing, and general fluffing. Like, I didn't use the tentacles Ooh. a lot. I oh, know I shouldn't have used that word. Um, I didn't use the tentacles a lot or anything either. Oh, oh see, that was constantly in my uh, mark party. I was constantly pulling things ahead, marking them, then killing them. That way, in case I missed, mm -hmm. they wouldn't get off. Of, like, uh, what is it? The skeletal crossbowmen. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. once they start doing that jab, it's like they, they're negligible. Um. All right. Uh, next, we have Plague Doctor, who also this run was like, these guys are amazing. These girls are amazing. Uh, Plague Doctor, I think, is top tier class. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just the ability to cure blight and bleed works extremely well and, and kind of like neuters some bosses like with the uh, siren oh yeah, yeah when she does the whole puke on you ah oh, that's it's easy you can just boom boom they're healed and then you get, can go back to it the only problem i have is when that's my main damage dealer because uh my blight party going into the cove and the other guy that does physical attack like maybe my leper uh, the the what is it the downed drowned crew yeah drowned the doomed crew, crew drowned crew if they grab the wrong guy oh. it's like oh man yep because you gotta 
just blight, 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 and oh, hopefully it hits hard enough. The the, the absolute trick for that is um, take uh, the antiquarian with you. Um, why? I, oh, I knew you were going to say why, and then I'm like, crap, I can't remember what stat it is. The antiquarian <laughs> speed, either the speed is low or something, but nine times out of ten they'll grab your antiquarian, and you're like, oh well, I'm none the worse off here. But, true, but then the rest of the time you're dragging along an antiquarian. So that is very true. Mm, sw- swings and roundabouts, as they say. Uh, that was. Uh, we'll talk bosses after this, but that was probably my worst boss. Was the drowned crew? Oh, like the one that I found most frustrating yeah. to deal with. Um, are we are we doing that? Do you want me to tell you what my most frustrating boss was? Yeah, sure. The besides the brigand, it was the third. Um, what do you call it? <laughs> Thing. The Brigand 12-pounder, I think, is the last one. The third one, because I'd used the same party for the first two, and I I never even get touched. You know, like, it was mark the matchman, shoot the matchman, gently chip away at everything else. First two ones, the 8 and the 12-pounder went down, no problem. No, sorry, the 8 and the 10-pounder went down, no problem. The 12-pounder, for some strange reason, everything went out of sync, and I lost an entire party, and I'm like... The fuck, just you know that way where you think I got um, this, I got, I totally got this, and then just things go to pot so quickly. <laughs> You're like that thing hits like a truck, and when you get out of sync, you, it's really difficult to get back. Yeah, and uh, you can't bleed a canyon, no, nope. or cannon. Not canyon. Oh, you can't bleed a canyon either. Can. To be no, fair, I know you're not wrong. So uh, neither canyon nor cannon can bleed. Hopefully that makes it onto my tombstone. <laughs> uh, we're almost done here. Mm-hmm. Next we have the Vestal, and we've pretty much talked around know, the Vestal yeah. because we mentioned because there is really only two reliable healer healers, mm-hmm. and uh, she's the other one. I, she was my darkest dungeon healer. Yeah, I for the last one. I had I think I had four level six Vestals by the end. Oh wow! I really like a Vestal. Because she heals, and if no one needs healing, she stuns. And that's that's pretty much where it's at. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I did equip that trinket on the two that I had, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, minus 33 damage, but 33% yeah. chance to stun. You never need, I think judgment is the one that damages, and you're like, you, you don't actually need that. Um, You don't need that damage, yeah. you just need that to stun. Yeah, uh, she works in pretty much every party. The only party I couldn't finagle a Vestal into was the Mark party because the Occultist mm-hmm. just worked so much better in that party. But yeah, uh, no matter what kind of party you're running, the Vestal, pretty good. And she'll never hit you with a zero plus bleed. Exactly. And the last two classes, uh, we talked about this in the interim, dear audience. Uh, we're going to save the last two classes and all the DLC stuff for another episode because we would like to come back to this and do the Crimson Court and the Farmstead yeah. episode. So, like, you know, Darkest Dungeon DLC episode. Because we both kind of keep one playing Darkest Dungeon. Mm-hmm. So, what this leads us into, my boy, is me stalling <clears throat> until I can pull up a list of bosses because I don't quite remember them all. Now, what I do remember is let us start with the Necromancer's Apprentice. That's probably the first one most people hit is Necromancer's think, Apprentice. Yeah, it must be. The Necromancer's Apprentice is 
generally the first boss you run into. And the trick with this is that there are things that happen. Oddly, Necromancer's Apprentice and the Sonorous Prophet kind of have the same shtick. Uh, just, just like randomly calling in the past of dead people. Well, no, 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 that, that, I guess that would be more like the Shambler. No, I meant like as in with the uh, Sonorous Prophet, you have the pews that take up those first three slots and uh, he's almost always in the back. Yeah, I see what you mean now as it's just like it's them pushing themselves back. But I think that's that's the thing is as long as the, the time taken in this game is going to a boss and going, um, I've not got the party for this, I need to back out. Because if you can't hit that fourth row, and there are parties where you can't hit the fourth row, you're like, you're scuppered. Whoa! What? You retreated, sir? Did you retreat? Yeah, oh, I might have on occasion. But You fell back in the face of darkness? I did... Maybe three or four times. These guys knew what they signed up for. They knew if they didn't make it, they weren't going to make it. This is the early days. Remember I said, like, the more you start to treat your party as just some random... They don't have personalities. They don't have names. They don't have lives. They don't have kids back home. Um, You can do that. They don't have Irish wolfhounds. Exactly. But, yeah, I did. I retreated. I retreated on the Brigham 12 pounder. I retreated on... In the second darkest dungeon, for a start. Well, I can't. I can't blame you there. <laughs> that thing's a uh, dick. Uh, no, no. I have a, a personal policy. If I made it to this boss, this thing is going down. Oh, no. Even if I have to whittle it down with a vestal. Uh, so I had a couple people die to a couple bosses, especially the prophet. The prophet, because if you don't have a way to reliably deal with the uh, rubble of ruin, oh yeah, the, then yeah. that thing hits hard. Uh, so the trick with the prophet is those three pews, but he also does something where he uh, calls in an attack that's going to happen next turn. It's a tactical airstrike with bricks. Mm -hmm. And so you get a signifier of, hey, it's going to hit here. Now, if you're good, you you have somebody that has an ability that can negate it, like maybe a shield breaker or something like that, and they can swap into that spot, eat up the hit, and you're fine. Um... I didn't think that far ahead in any circumstances. <laughs> so a lot of times it was, I, I, don't, I don't know, Vestal, take a brick to the head. And then the Vestal would move into the slot and take a brick. Um, the one-two punch of Rubble of Ruin, I have to be really careful saying that because they'll sound like Omer Fudd, <laughs> and uh, Fulminate that he does right afterwards. So right after he hits you with that, he hits you with a whole party blight. Mm-hmm. And that that took out a couple of my guys on a couple of his forms so like the second and third form, I, I lost probably altogether a full party because you could just get unlucky with that roll. Or you could prepare, to be fair. You could prepare, but I was like, eh, ah, see, that's, we got it. That's what I did. I kind of generally, I lost a week. I took my time. I lost one person, but I backed out and then thought, I know what I need now to go back in and deal with this. Okay. Oh, I mean, I mean yours is a definitely more strategically sound plan. Uh, but I'm there at the boss, and that boss is a jerk, yeah. and I'm going to stab him a bunch of times. Uh, the next we have is the siren, and I got lucky this time. It didn't really have a siren run go sideways, but it can go sideways really fast. So, uh, Craig, well, do you remember the siren's trick? Yeah, so the siren pulls okay. over one of your party to the opposing team. 
um, and who then fights against you. So you do not want to be bringing a leper to the siren battle because if she lures or your lures your lures your leper in, before you know it, you're taking massive damage. Um, this was another one where I ended up getting lucky, and she just took like my occultist. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I got lucky and like you know taken arbalist, and he did battlefield bandage on himself. He's yeah. like, oh, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but yeah, depend. Like if he if you transform an abomination and then he gets taken, mm-hmm. uh, that's gonna yeah. really hurt. Yeah. Uh, she also summons in monsters, which not a huge deal considering you've fought an entire dungeon worth of these monsters. They're nothing special. But they can, if you get hit with the guy, uh, forget the guy's name, but the octocestus guy that's really tanky. That can really make you go sideways, yeah. too. So, uh, yeah, th- this for me is kind of a, will I be lucky? Will I not be lucky? Nah, let's try. Yeah. And there's no way, there's no real way to game it. There's no way to try and predict who she's going to take and what, you know, you can't take any measures against it other than taking a not very damage-based party. And I know it can miss, too. So I wonder mm-hmm. if, a, if a high dodge party yeah. would actually be worth it uh either way yeah i mean sometimes it would for me it was like a flip of the coin and you just kind of dealt with the hand you were dealt Mm -hmm. i guess but yeah so uh siren wasn't too bad for me this run the next we have the one that was a big deal for me and that's the drowned crew now the drowned crew is one of those multi-part bosses where you can target multiple parts of the boss because they're kind of big and full of bones and Mm -hmm. stuff uh their trick is they capture one of your guys and they don't fight for you, but they kind of put them in this stasis where every turn it will drain some health from them and give it back to the boss. And the problem with this boss that I had was its protection is so high that sometimes if it takes your damage dealer, you're going to have a hard time offsetting the damage it's healing back. Yeah. And then you have that, that dilemma of, well, do I hit the hook that's holding the guy or do I hit the boss because he's going to oh. heal health? So yeah, this one was a real, real stickler for me. Yeah. I this one was a, a complete damage. Let's just do damage. So it was like leper and crusader, bang! But because the crusader does bonus damage against the unholy, um, and always hit the boss as opposed to whatever tool it is. Like with the witch, you're not hitting the cauldron, you're hitting the witch type thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like once I start like the third one. Uh, I was like, you know what, screw this, we're bringing all damage. Mm-hmm. And like getting up to that point was really kind of squiffy oh, because you don't have a it's healer. It's get, you can spec yourself out for the boss and then have a f- miserable time getting through the dungeon to get to the boss. <laughs> yeah, and then you end up walking in on two bloody stumps that have glass uh-huh. in it. And you're like, look, look, I just can't do this. Yeah, that happened to me more than once. Uh, so yeah, uh, Drowned Crew was, was my... Waterloo this time, mm-hmm. which is oddly appropriate for the Drowned Crew. Yeah. Uh, next, we have what might be my favorite boss, just because I you can just roll right over him. And that's the Swine Prince. Oh, yeah. And Wilbur. Poor Wilbur. Don't hit Wilbur. Whatever you do, don't hit Wilbur. Yeah, don't ever hit Wilbur, unless you're really cocky like me. And then <laughs> you go, oh, shouldn't have done that. No, no. Uh, the trick here so, is, uh, like, yep, damage and mark and bleed and do whatever you can to the swine prince but do not touch Wilbur until the prince, swine prince is dead because that sets off a two two part shot where you're going to take a significant amount of damage 
and it's it's a murder fest. Is the Swine Prince the biggest boss? Like in terms of big size? I think he might be. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, th- this dude hits hard unless you bring two occultists and then he's hitting you for two damage and you laugh at him and then punch Wilbur in the face. Mm-hmm. And it works out really well. Uh, there is, an, there is a, a, an achievement for getting killed by Wilbur. But that seems like you just... All pride is out the window. Yeah. Um, if you let somebody get killed by Wilbur. I, want, I, want, I genuinely want to go and see if I got that trophy, but I don't think I did. I don't know if it's on uh, not like PlayStation trophies or Xbox, but I know it is on PC. Mm-hmm. It's a Steam achievement. Uh, next, we have the Inclite Flesh. And this this might be the coolest in terms of design. I really... Like, I really, like there's something about so this this one is it's body parts and you've got a spine and a heart. And not yeah yeah not f- just body parts like human. Oh, this no. is obviously pig. Yeah yeah. And what you're wanting to do essentially is damage the heart. You're wanting to murder the heart to death, whatever way you can. <sighs> bleed damage is perfect for this because it's a pig and it's a heart. You'd think bleed would do. It just. Every every three rounds, maybe, or every two rounds, or every two moves, it swaps positions. Maybe there's no heart. Maybe there's four spines, and you just have to like bunker down. But it, I really, really, really liked this boss. The mechanics, the look of it. I just thought this is different. It's not a big guy. I've got his back. <laughs> his body parts. Yeah, this is a real Cronenberg of a boss. Mm. Like it, it's just bubbling roiling flesh and mouths that shouldn't be there and uh the really cool thing i like about this is like you said uh so it's four slots and each one of them is randomly chosen so like you said you could have three hearts mm-hmm. you could have no hearts you could have and and there's that now this might be the weirdest thing i've ever said on microphone but that attack where it's the back end of a pig but sticking up vertically and then the mouth comes out of its ass yep. and bites you yep. That is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah this, this boss wins in terms of this is my favorite design. Uh-huh. You can get really shafted on this boss. Oh. If you get like three pig asses and then a spine, it's going to hurt. It, it really is. Um, for me, this was where the Houndmaster was like, don't worry guys, I've got Ooh, this. Oh, yeah. Because it's, <laughs> it's just it's a four slot bleed. So no matter what's happening, the heart, if it spawns, is bleeding and that's all you want. You just want that damage over time. And I do want to point out, so the developers, uh, those gentlemen with dapper mustaches at uh, Red Hook, could have been giant assholes here and made it four different health bars. I think it was a, a nice, friendly idea to make it all one health yeah, bar yeah. with four different targets. So, yeah, see, Darkest Dungeon, it gives you a hand every once in a mm-hmm. while. If this, was, if this was four different bosses in one... Ugh, <laughs> That would be miserable. Next, we have the hag. And I never really had a problem with the hag. And now that we're going through each boss, there's at least three of them that have this hook. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So the hag pulls one of your party into a pot. And, who, and they are eventually cooked to death. And essentially, all you need to do is be able to hit the third and fourth slot. Ignore your friend that's being cooked to death. And murder the hag to death. That's that's kind of the tactic for all three iterations of it. It's just it's just hit hard in the third and fourth. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, uh, the, the hag looks like you would expect the hag to look. Uh, she's a big beefy lady who's got a big old crooked nose, and mm-hmm. she's like, ah, get in my pot! Mm-hmm. And then you get in the pot, and I do like the animation of the guy coming out of the pot, and it looks like he has no skin on. Yep. That's a, that's a good art animation right there. Good art animation. Um, Boy, I'm on a friggin' roll. Well. Alright, next we have Craig's Waterloo, which also is apropos, since it's like a giant cannon. Um, I, we kind of explained this before, but the kind of trick is it's a cannon that has incredibly high resistances to everything. Yeah. So obviously you can't bleed it, you can't blight it, you can't stun it. Uh, and then you have three other people spawn, but one of those will always be a torchbearer, a matchbearer, Ma- whatever you want to call the it. The matchman. The matchman, um, who hopefully is married to the matchmaker, <laughs> because that's a great match. Um, and if that match... Bearer man. makes it match man. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, we don't have to be misogynistic but, here. I mean, it could be a match lady. It's true. Um, if they make it to the cannon, they will like the cannon, and that cannon will end you. Yeah. I, I, so this is very much a DPS race, but against a group of smaller enemies, yeah, as opposed to a giant one. So this is the one where the first two parties I took were my Mark party, and it was Mark the Matchman, the Arbalist shoots the Matchman, and the Matchman dies. On the third attempt, you know, you mark him. The arbalist messes, which he never messes. He just never messes. And before, (laughs) on that one move, on that one miss, roll of the dice, everything falls apart. You know, it's it's crazy how quickly it can turn like that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I I went with a um. I went with a party where. My main strategy was kill everybody, stun the match bit man, woman, mm-hmm. and then smack the cannon for one round, then kill the match guy and kind of do it that way. Okay. I mean, if the stun didn't land, you would have to adjust and kill the match guy. But for the most part, it was like clear it out, stun, and then go for the cannon. Okay. Um, the next we then now that's kind of the main. That's the bosses for every area. Um. Next, we do have a couple, I don't want to say roaming bosses, because it's not like you accidentally run into them, but you will have some, uh, let's say, quest bosses. Like, every once in a while, something will happen in your hamlet, and oh, snap, there's a boss you have to kill. Maybe the town's under attack from brigands, maybe there's a giant nine-eyed raven that says hi. Mm-hmm. And steals uh, your watch. So, it does. So, uh, the first one is, well, yeah, okay, so let's do that. So the first one is the Shrieker. Let's do the bird. Okay. Uh, and the bird, the Shrieker is very interesting in terms of what it wants from you. So this is a boss that has no dungeon. You go in the first room, bam, it's a boss. Now the, the Shrieker has a nest, and then there's the Shrieker itself. And this is kind of like trying to catch an Abra if you ever play Pokemon. You have a set amount of turns before the Shrieker will fly off. Now, the problem is the Shrieker hits incredibly hard. And there's the added kind of twist of if you destroy the nest, you get a lot of loot. So it's do you go for the Shrieker itself? Do you go for the nest? Oh, my gosh. It almost killed my brigand in one hit. Uh, Or my highwayman, not my brigand. So uh, I really like every time the Shrieker showed up. And you do get a special trinket if you manage to kill the the Shrieker. Man, my tongue is awful today. Um, if you want did, me to, did you? If, if if you want me to divert any awfulness, I didn't even engage the shrieker. 
at all. Oh, really? Yeah. D- d- um, it, it pops up and it says, the Shriekers nipped in and it's nicked some of these trinkets. And at every single point it happened, I was just like, oh, I can live without that. <laughs> like, yeah, you took four martyr seals. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> I just, I didn't. I just didn't. I just, I didn't do it. I, I engaged with all the other optional guys. I feel bad because what I'm going to say might hurt slightly, but I think it might be because there's no trophy for killing the Shrieker. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you see, you see, Craig, this podcast is our ultimate trophy. Uh, so you should have done. I, I can't say I blame you. It, it's not terrible. I mean, there's. For both of us, since we both own the Ancestral Edition, there were other bosses that we didn't do just because of the DLC. Yeah. So, let's just say you didn't do it because you thought it was part of the DLC. I'd, like, to be honest, I'm going to be honest right now, um, I didn't do it because I thought it was part of the DLC. And you didn't Google it because we all know how terrible you are at Googling. I know, I'm absolutely awful at Googling. <laughs> um, did you do the, uh, the Brigand yeah, King? Yeah, the Brigand Wolf. Uh, Wolf? Yeah. That was... That was tough, but very, very, very fun. And the trinket that he drops, I can't remember what the stat boost is on it, but it's amazing. Like, it's <laughs> Whatever like the, it is, just equip it. It's great. <laughs> the wolf's tassels or something like that. No, um, this is not a brag at all, because Lord knows I struggled with the drowned crew. Uh, a lot of people online, I guess, have a big problem with wolf. Um he went down incredibly easy for me, and I don't know if I just got lucky with my party comp or got lucky with a few crits. Did you have trouble with Wolf at all? Oh, uh, and you want to explain the um the the well, I guess his trick. I can't remember what his trick is to be honest, but I didn't have a problem uh, as soon as he popped up. Yeah, so so Wolf was no big deal. Uh, you said you didn't have tr- any trouble either. No, yeah, no trouble whatsoever. As soon as he popped up, I think it warns you that if you don't go for him straight away. Then your town will su- you'll lose some of your the upgrades of your town, you know if if you've got your well he is a brigand he is a brigand he's he's going to do it so you have to immediately respond, and it could be that some of your um parties are in rehabilitation at the time because it's random, I think it's like around about week fifty three fifty four fifty something in that if the wrong people are in the pub at the time. You're stuck with whoever you've got. Oh yeah, that is a good point. Um, yeah, you can you can get stuck with a really crappy party. Mm-hmm. I guess that that's a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, next, we have a a group of two little roaming bosses because they can appear on in the dungeon, but they'll never take you by surprise except for the one. So I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so the one that can th- that can just show up and make you go, oh man. And he always shows up at the worst times is the collector. Yeah, the collector. And so what the collector does is the collector opens his coat and there's like ah all these little faces and stuff. Really cool art by the way. Um and out pops three random classes and it's from a small pool it could be a man at arms it could be a highwayman it could be a vestal it can i think it can be a crusader and basically it's you fighting against your own party plus a boss and if you don't have a way to very quickly knock out that vestal at the very least uh this can drag on for a mm-hmm. long time the collector was all did you get oh, oh no on you go on you go I was going to say, did you get shafted by the Collector this time? I didn't. Actually, I was really, really lucky. I ran into him and 
I think I messaged you and I was like, ah, oh, the collector's just turned up, arg. Um, pretty much that. Uh, but no, no, no problem whatsoever. And not in a I'm so skilled way. It's luck. It's flipping luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this? It's it, just it, luck. It's, it's luck or it's skill, but we rely on lady luck, <laughs> not skill. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I got a couple really nasty rolls and he wiped out a couple of my guys. Because, I mean, if they get a man-at-arms head, and that protects the Vestal head, mm-hmm. and then you got the collector smacking you, it's like, jeez. Although, um, the art for the heads. Uh, so the heads, they're these ghostly-looking heads that kind of meld with the face of the character that they are uh, portraying. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a spinal column. And again, the art is, yeah. it is beautiful. In, in terms of look, apart from the innocuous flesh... This this is really not innocuous. Inno- innocuous means he's standing on a street corner with a trench coat going in- innocuous. <laughs> innocuous. So he has on an Oculus Rift, and it's inchoate. It's a word nobody uses what? ever. Is that how you pronounce it's it? It's inchoate. Yeah, yeah. Is this like that or, phone you know, company Huawei, which is Huawei? Ho Huawei. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. It, it, I think you're supposed to put a little bit of spin on that ch, so it's like inchoate flesh. Inco- but, inchoate. Uh, inchoate. 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 In- yeah. Okay. I-N-C-H-O-A-T-E. So the collector, as well as the Inchoate flesh, oh, are probably, inchoate. My f- <laughs> probably my favorite designs of the bosses because, like, the flesh, for the very specific reason that there's a mouth coming out of battle, and this one for the people that it spawns, it's just, it's a really genius thing to do. I really like it. I really like the look of that one. Okay, so I just had a moment of sheer terror where I realized maybe I'm saying it wrong? Mm-hmm. So, listener, if you're familiar with this word and you've actually used it before, is it not pronounced inchoate? Inchoate. Hit me back. I- I'm very surely. Very sure. You threw me off. And don't call me, and don't call me surely. <laughs> I'm fairly sure. I'm fairly sure I'm saying it correctly, but there we go. Um, so I, I just covered my own ass in case I'm saying That's it like fine. a moron. All right, and then the last boss that is, uh, I would say, what he's an optional hard mode boss if you want him is the Shambler. And um, yeah, so the Shambler, you have to light a specific item and world like the um, what we've spoken about before, all the wee bits and bobs that you come across that there might be a cabinet the that you reach into the curios there's a chest this is a pyre and it says lighting this pyre will unleash the beast it doesn't exactly say that but that's just, that's the undertone you light it and before you know it you're in pitch black and you've got a shambler and it's completely optional and you're shuffled and you're shuffled you've put yourself in that position you've got to deal with it my trick for this um, to be honest, was to pre-shuffle my party. So I put my Vestal in the first row <laughs> <laughs> and then lit the pyre. And I, I shit you not, I got shuffled right back into where I needed to be <laughs> the first shot. Oh, that's beautiful. It's just like, oh, that worked. Great. Um, yeah. Now... Uh, I, on the other hand, did not put any forethought into it. Went, dude, it's a shambler light the torch. And my guy was like, look, sir, do you, do you really want it? I'm going to do it. So we did it. 
and we got shuffled and I limped out of there mm-hmm. with two people left and a stupid trinket that wasn't worth it. But I did kill the shambler. That's good. So it was a Pyrrhic victory for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really liked it. So his his trick, other than the complete pitch black, so your accuracy is going to be off. Then, you know, plus you're going to get hit harder. And then he summons in these two little... Uh, in case you're wondering what it looks like, he looks like one of those things from Lovecraft that I can't think of the word. Mm. Okay. Uh, Craig, hold on. He looks like a... Um... Spiky not, fish. See, I was going to say, he looks like a shambler, but that's not what they're called. A spiky tentacle fish. No, there's, there's, there's... Oh, okay, okay, hold on. Yeah, there you go. Okay, couldn't think of the stupid word. I was like, is it Yogg-san? No, it's not Yogg. Uh, so the shambler Dude. looks like a shoggoth, if you know what a shoggoth is supposed to look like. It's kind of what he looks like. And then he summons in these mushroomy things that are incredibly tanky that are just there to try to stop you from hitting him. Because then he scoots back to the fourth row where you might not have the best chances of hitting him. Yeah. Um, I would say he's probably the hardest boss in the game for me. Uh, maybe second hardest for me. Or he's the biggest, like, wall boss, oh, I guess. He's like, yeah, because you can come across it, and, uh, I mean, what I did when I, I saw the altar was I cleared out the rest of the dungeon. I said no to returning to the hamlet. I went back to the altar, found the nearest oh, room. Oh, smart! Yeah, I found the nearest room, slept, because I could sleep, because I still had a, a bit of firewood, and then went in for the kill. So I put myself in the best position. It's still a slog. If you come across it randomly... And you're maybe not at best health, and you just go for it like you did because you're Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah, far. It's he's a toughie. He's a he's a he's a doozy. Yeah. Um. All right. And so next we get into the darkest dungeon bosses. There are other bosses, like I believe the uh, Crimson Court adds one more roaming boss, plus I think six or seven more bosses, and then the Farmstead has a couple bosses. But like we said before, we'll talk about them when the time comes. Um. And my favorite classes, thanks to the Crimson Court. But darkest dungeon bosses. Uh, first off, let's let's take a, a quick moment to talk about how hard that first darkest dungeon is when you don't know what to expect, oh, and those crazy guys come at you and they're all like, blah, 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 and then they hit you for forty something. It's like, jeez. And you like, oh, hang on, this is this is just a different level of the game. This is something else. Yeah, it's like X. If in XCOM you go straight from the Greys to those cyber discs, and you're like, "Oh, jeez, what is this?" Yeah, these things hit hard. Uh, oddly enough, uh, and I don't know if you're the same way. That's why I'm asking. See how conversation works. Um, I found the dungeons to be way harder than the actual bosses themselves. Uh, yeah, um, like even with the ancestor. Oh, the an- I mean, the ancestor would probably be the easiest boss. To most difficult dungeon ratio, it's it's a weird one that um yeah the rest of the dungeons themselves are painful compared to the bosses. The second dungeon with the scorpion looking enemy, the big enemy. Oh yeah, they're just brute. It's just a brutal. They're miserable. It's, it's horrible. And then you get to the boss and you beat the boss and you're like, the boss wasn't so bad, but that getting there was oh. And I mean, luckily with the first dungeon it's a straight line Mm -hmm. so i mean at first when i first started going through the darkest dungeon oh are they all like this they're just kind of like combat challenges 
And then you load up Darkest Dungeon 2, and it's the size of the continental United States. It's, it's the size and, uh, of the continental states, <laughs> and you get randomly teleported from one side to the other, and then in the middle, just, just on a whim. Okay, so in the second Darkest Dungeon, and this isn't, you know, this is just the actual second phase of the Darkest Dungeon. It's giant, and it's... Um, the map design is all over the place, right? So when you're going through the dungeon, you will run across these mammoth cysts, and they're about as gross as they sound. But they're protecting this little... Jeez, I don't know. It's a like a stalk of flesh with a little thing on the end of it. And if you don't kill it fast enough, it teleports you. Now, you run into these at very strategic points along you trying to get to the middle of the dungeon, because the middle of the dungeon where some bosses. So you could be like right there at the end of the boss and poof, you get teleported. And I think it's one of eight different places it can teleport you. So then you have to kind of reorient yourself when trying to get back to the middle where you're going to run into more of these things. So if your damage output isn't on the ball, uh, you're going to end up all over the place. So yeah, that it does make this kind of miserable. The boss itself is no big shakes. Of the dungeon so i mean you can definitely tell that the difficulty of this dungeon was the dungeon itself yeah the darkest the second one is absolutely miserable you can be put from a fairly strong position where you think i i know where i'm going now and i just need to get there and then all of a sudden it jumps up it kicks you in the nuts and it says no you're going to go to the most miserable corner of this maze and you're going to fight your way out of it and it just oh now, here's a question I couldn't remember mm -hmm. the answer to. When you're dealing with the cysts, mm -hmm. do they maintain damage? If you attack one, get no, teleported they, back, they hit spawn the same in, one. They spawn in full health again. It's like a different party. Yeah. Do they? Okay. I couldn't remember. Okay. So, yeah. Hit the cysts. Do what you need to do. Um, just just survive. Just get survive to the middle. that bloody horror show. Yeah, uh, and that leaves us with Darkest Dungeon 3. Hell is in the heart. That's the name of it, in case you were wondering. Um, I, by this point, I was super digging the, the degrading state of the walls and things starting to look like an absolute horror show. You know, like by the fourth one, it looks like you're inside oh, a body. Yeah. And at this point... You, yeah, it starts to look like the end yeah, of a contra game. Like, this is just fab. This is also the point where you stop and you think, do I, do I really want this to end? I'm having yeah, a lot of fun. I had that as well. Um, <laughs> I definitely had that. So Darkest Dungeon 3 is a set layout. It's, you're, you're just on a normal grid and you have to go like up and right and up and left and up and right. Or there's some way. To, it looks like a spaceship if you look at the whole map. Uh, what kind of spaceship? Uh, saucer? One of those like oh, triangular no, like rocket, ones? The a Enterprise? Rocket with extra boosters. On like a rocket. Oh, so like a 60s. Yeah, yeah. We're going to the moon rocket. Okay. All right. So, yes, uh, actually, all the Darkest Dungeons have set layouts. Like the second one, you can look at a map. And it was me being frustrated. I'm like, oh, where, where am I now? Where am I now, stupid sis? And I looked it up. I'm like, oh. Oh, you just got to get to the middle. And once you know that, it's, navigation isn't too bad, but everything else mm -hmm. is. 
but yes, so at the end of that rocket, um, have we decided what country the rocket's from? Uh, looks Soviet. Oh, I would have said Wales. I don't know about much about the Welsh space program, but let's let's give them this one. So you're at the end of this Welsh rocket, which sounds really dirty, but <laughs> so so I gave her the oh, old Welsh rocket, God, Craig. <laughs> uh, and the boss at first is the mm-hmm. ancestor, so. In terms of the story, what this means is this is the guy who has been talking to you the whole time. Uh, he is a very dapper, bearded-looking man who, at the beginning of the game, said ruin has come to this house. And his trick is kind of a good old-fashioned video game trick, to be honest with you. Um, it's one of those spawns multiple copies, which one is the real one? Kind of thing. Like My tactic for this was, again, Houndmaster just hit, hit everyone. Hit as many. Majester was hitting two people, you know, like two slots at once. Everyone was just hitting as much at once as possible. Because I couldn't... My worry was it was a colour thing and the real one had like a red t-shirt instead of a a green (laughs) t-shirt. You know what I mean? Oh, that (laughs) would be miserable. Yeah. Um, For for me, I, I took the approach of everybody is hitting one slot. And so if I don't hit the real one... Well, then I'll know because it's the only one left. Yeah. So I, and you know, of course, then the the occultist was, you know, heal, 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 heal. Now, what makes this interesting and fun is once you've downed the ancestor, Craig, why don't you tell him about the heart of darkness? Flipping heck. You're making me think. Um, I'm sorry. I I can do it. No, no, no. It's fine. So the heart of darkness is the final, final, final bit of the ancestor fight, isn't it? Yes. No, I wanted you to tell them about the book, The Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness uh, by Joseph Conrad. Um, It's just... Whoa! Look at you! (laughs) It's one one of the few things I know. Um, I've actually read that book. I really really like that book, and I really like Apocalypse Now. That's (laughs) good. Do you know the video game that's based on Heart of Darkness? No. <laughs> Not so smarty now, smarty pants. Uh, Spec Ops: The Line is a retelling of the Heart of Darkness. Oh, is it? Yep. Oh. So anyway, uh, the Heart of Darkness in Darkest um, Dungeon. Anyway, the Heart of da- yeah, the Heart of Darkness, Darkest Dungeon. The trick here, or the the enemy's trick here, the the ancestor's trick is his move is to basically say to you, "Look, guys, there's four of you. Which one's dying right now?" And you have to actually just pick. Yep. What one's, what one's dying? Uh, there is so, no getting around this. It is not something that you There's, can dodge or anything. It is no. Nope. This game will not uh-huh. progress until you pick uh, someone to die. So I had a Vestal at this point, and the first time it happened, I thought, "All right then." Um, there's no point in healing, so I'm sorry. Default Vestal that I've had from the start, but. Your time is up. Anna. Oh my goodness. Um Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. I really like I mean the the guy himself isn't too bad to kill. It's this ha- having to die no. a couple of times that like having to choose who to die is great. I would say it's almost a story mm-hmm. boss. You can die to it, especially if you end up in rough shape after fighting the ancestor. 
But for the most part, this is more for flavor yeah. than anything. Uh, for me, the first one to go was, well, Mr. Arbalist, oh. your time has come. Because uh, I figure, okay, okay, if I'm going to be doing damage, the Arbalist takes too much time oh. to set up. Okay. So I don't want to lose the healer because I'm not going to mark and then attack. This is just straight mm-hmm. balls-to-wall attack. So the Arbalist was the first to go. Then the Occultist, which left me with Dismas and my, I think it was okay. Abomination? Uh, who did, who's uh, your I last Dismas two? and my... Shit. Oh, I never played that class. <laughs> uh, the Grave Robber. Oh, I would have ditched yeah. the Grave Robber, no, sir. No, I, I kept... Was it a Grave Robber? I can't remember who I swapped the Crusader out for, but I kept anyone that could just play and deal damage as opposed to anyone else. Yeah. Because I had the Jester. My second to go was the Jester. Ah, oh, well, hopefully he oh, died yeah. laughing. Yeah, like he told a few jokes on the way out. Oh, wait! That's even a line! When you pick up the Jester, like, he will be laughing still, even at oh, the my. end. So he did die laughing. Good for him! Uh, all right. Uh, once you down him, which it pretty much just becomes a DPS race, one that is sort of weighted in your favor. So, I mean, don't feel bad if you lose to the Heart of Darkness, but it, it's not exactly trying to brick wall you here. Um, you get the ending, which is, well, it's still kind of miserable here. Uh-huh. Thanks for your efforts. <laughs> it's a thing. That is, I think I said it right at the very start of the first episode. You look at the village and you're just like, is this even fucking worth it? Is this just, is this just, should we just write this whole thing off? Well, see, um, with with a little bit of genre knowledge, I would have looked at the village and go, oh, this is a Lovecraft village. I'm going to go stay at the Radisson <laughs> Inn. I'll not be staying here. Uh, yeah, so true to uh, cosmic horror fashion, nothing ends well for mm-hmm. anybody. Like, it's not like, and then everybody died. It's just a, well... This is the first step on a yeah. long journey and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, luckily, because we have Darkest Dungeon 2 coming out, which I haven't seen anything but the teaser trailer, but boy howdy, I am teased. I too am teased. I fully expect, you know, like, a trail, a trek across the mountains to go and face the actual real evil. You know, like, that's within the earth rather than just underneath the estate. Ooh. Now... Uh, again, this is this is due to genre knowledge, but uh, so this was kind of like a sort of variation on the story of the rats in the walls. And there's also a story called At the Mountains of Madness, Ooh. which takes place in the Arctic on a mountain. So and that is more alien than it is creepy monsters. So I'm very curious to see if they're like, <gasps> do that kind of stuff, because that would be very cool. Um, all right. So, uh, before we get the final thoughts, uh, Craig, I do have to ask you your top two character designs. Not the bosses, not the enemies, the characters themselves. If you could have nice painted portraits, who would you choose? Uh, the Plague Doctor and the Leper. Ooh! Oh, really? Wow, I, that, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, I myself would have to go with the Abomination mm-hmm. and the Hellion. Because those... Although... Honorable mention goes to the Grave Robber's oh, yeah. hat choice. That is a choice right there. Uh, okay, so let's get into final thoughts, Craig. I mean, I don't really think we need to, but we've also we've had an extra week to ruminate on this I, game, too. I'll, I'll go first. Um, I, I really didn't like Darkest Dungeon. It wasn't for me. There was heart in it, but not a lot of soul, <laughs> you know? No. 
There's a lot of hearts. Though, with this the heart of Shut up. This is one of the few, <laughs> few, few games where you play it and you just think everything makes the game. I said it in the last episode. If this was a Wizards and Warriors type thing, it just wouldn't... The, the combat system isn't enough to make it the greatest of the great. It's the entire package that makes it worth playing and it just... It's beautiful. I can't wait to play Darkest Dungeon 2. I, I can't wait to see what, what it is. Um, I and heartily recommend. Yeah, even if it's a farming simulator from these guys, I'll probably yeah. check it out. And I think the thing is, despite the fact we've got to this point, and normally by this point we have ruined masses of story, like if this was Detroit Become Human, which we'll do in a few weeks or whatever, Aww. you wouldn't need to play it because we've told you what happens, but there is absolutely no reason to not play it after listening to us ramble on for two episodes because you need to experience it. We don't do it justice. Yeah, if I can tell a little story. So uh, when me and Craig first started talking on more than just the shows, because we didn't know each other before we started doing the shows, really, um, we were talking about strategy games and he asked why I'm not a huge fan of Fire Emblem. And I explained to him, you know, it's more like a puzzle. It's not a strategy game. And then uh, he was nice enough to play a round of Blood Bowl with me. And I kind of made the point of, see, like, look here, this is moment to moment strategy. And uh, I think Darkest Dungeon might be the purest example of, it doesn't matter what anybody's ever told you about it. The moment to moment strategic decisions that you have to make will make this game worth playing, even if you studied the wiki to completion. So, yeah, like, like uh, oh, are you done? Sorry, no, no, I, just, I completely agree. I was I was drawing on a different... I didn't think Blood Bowl. I thought chess, because we've also been playing chess. <laughs> because you, we're old yeah, men. You can know the rules of chess inside out, and you know what every piece does, and you even know some set pieces. But at the end of the day, you can't second guess every move that your opponent makes so you are thinking on your feet and it's that bit it's that bit is is really exciting and good indeed um okay so i've had a lot of thought about this and there are a couple of things that darkest dungeon does that are important to gaming as a whole and it's not a it's not a huge game that got a lot of publicity other than its circles that it runs in uh, I think Darkest Dungeon is one of the best cases you can make for you don't need all the money in the world to make a great game. You can tell this game is kind of cheap, but they made every decision work for the game. There's never there's never a case of, oh, this is all good except for this little bit. You know, it's not, uh, this is all great except for the art style, you know, or this is all great except for the combat. They took a, a very cheap game and then just made sure every little bit of it tuned perfectly and it worked great. Uh, I also think this is one of the best games we've ever done on the show. And, I mean, we've talked about like Monster mm -hmm. Hunter on the show and we all know how I feel about Monster Hunter. But Darkest Dungeon is probably one of the best games we've ever talked about. Uh, this, I, I would like to put this forward, that we start our own little hall of fame and darkest dungeon is in the almost unassailable hall of fame I, of games that we've done i i've got to agree and you know we've done 
like for me when you say we've done Monster Hunter, I'm like, we've done Prey and we've done Monkey Island. And I'm like That's you know, a good point. Those two games pretty much solidly say what I like as a gamer, what my love is in Monkey Island and Prey, which are two different games, but it, it encompasses what I love. But in our Hall of Fame, I probably wouldn't put either of them, but I would put Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, this is this is genuinely a, a step above most other games I've played. I've played uh-huh. thousands of games. This is really high up there. So celebrate by buying Darkest Dungeon for yourself. Like seriously, it's dirt cheap no matter what you play it on. Honestly, give this a go. You'll really enjoy it. Unless you don't like strategy <laughs> games. I mean, to be fair. If you don't like turn-based games, I mean, okay, that's that's, that's fine. exactly. It. If you're a completely happy play, playing like Bejeweled, did this not? We're not saying go from Bejeweled. Personally, <laughs> I think that the world could use more grandmas playing <laughs> Darkest Dungeon on their phone. Um, but yeah, so so that's where we said. I mean, you could have seen this coming mm. from the beginning of the episode when we just couldn't stop saying how wonderful this is. So. Uh, thank you for bearing with us through the technical difficulties. I uh, appreciate it. We're going to try to make it sound as best we can because Craig is a yep. wizard with that stuff. Uh, in terms of if you want to suggest a game, you can do it. We have a form on the website. Uh, you can also probably hit us up on Twitter, though we really don't check that. Like, that's kind of an automated thing for us because none of us care. Um, our next big games are Detroit Become Human because God hates everyone. Mm-hmm. Then we have Hitman because God was like, well, I like Craig. <laughs> so God, hate, gave... <laughs> God hates everyone. God, kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have Super Punch-Out and Punch-Out for the Wii will be our third of that this next group. So if you have anything to say about any of those, we also have a contact form that you can use. Uh, this is the part where I would say rate and review us, but here's where I'm going to put a spin on it. Who cares about our podcast? So, go find another podcast you really like and rate yeah. and review them. I, but use the word inchoate oh, once it. in that review. It, yeah, and I will actually. You know what? I don't care if you're yelping somebody. If you're yelping that Chinese food place that you order from, use the word inchoate in it, and we'll know mm-hmm. that you're a listener. So there you go. But don't leave don't don't leave it on our stuff. Like no. don't review us and say that because then you're you're. Uh, you're I, kind of explaining the jokes. Don't, don't I, do it. I even dread the fact that, you know, maybe some people listen. I would rather no one listened and we could just do this for fun. <laughs> but it, we know you're out there. We know you do listen. And we like keeping this a nice, intimate little c- community that doesn't really talk to each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the way best <laughs> friendships work. And marriages. So, yeah, uh, well, thank you very much for... <laughs> and marriages. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time on whatever the... Oh! Next up, we have Alien Hominid also on our small little developer spotlight series we got going on with the Behemoth games and Super, Super Ma- Giant? Oh, I was going to say Massive. God damn it. What one is it? Super Happy Tree Friends? Super Giant Massive Happy Games? Uh, the people that do Bastion. Let's just do that. So, yeah, uh, the first one in that lineup is going to be Alien Hominid, because that's the Behemoth's first game. And then the Bastion people, it would be weird if their first game wasn't Bastion. 
So that's what we'll be talking about next. All right, we will catch you later. Uh, make sure you stay safe out there. I hear it's a madhouse. Goodbye, Greg. <laughs>